start using cutting-edge warp speed 5G technology with your cell phone. Let me tell you about my friends at MobileMobile.io. They have an ultra-fast 4G LTE and 5G network that covers 99% of Americans. So they've got you covered everywhere. Think about it for a moment. You have the opportunity to take a test drive for 10 days with unlimited talk, text, and premium data. What is premium data? Premium data is an allotment of a cellular data that you receive from a higher priority on the network. You won't get throttled like you will with some of those, well, non-brand service providers. To find out more information, all you have to do is go to mobilemobile.io. That's mobilemobile.io to start your 10-day free trial. This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The Jay Allen Show is streaming now on safetyfm.live. Hello and welcome to another glorious edition of the Jay Allen Show. I appreciate you actually tuning in week after week or day after day, depending on where you're listening to us. I appreciate you allowing me to share this time with you in regards of having a conversation on what's going on in the world from my point of view. I know as we started the Jay Allen show, there's been some discussions about some different things that we've been doing, some different people coming on. And today is no different. Today, we're going to have a conversation with Michael Fackler. He is the founder and chief strategist of Caliber Safety. Caliber specializes in helping business leaders uncover and understand the systemic, procedural, and cultural drivers of operations and safety performance. So please join me in welcoming Michael to the show. So are you ready for the torture? I mean, I know some people like this, some people don't, so I'm I'm wondering how you're looking at it. That way I kind of know where to go. Well, I'm just looking at it as an opportunity to uh you know share thoughts experiences and uh views and looking forward to the to a healthy discussion man well i have to tell you what looking forward to it well what what's happened was that of course when i saw your stuff on linkedin and the productive questions that you've been asking to people to make them actually question things i've kind of really enjoyed it so i was like hmm I kind of st- I kept on looking at it and I was like, well, you're put you're putting it out there for a reason. So what is the driving force behind you asking these product these well, these questions that are really driving people to give you a lot of answers and you're getting I'm gonna say you get a lot of debate on your threads, but you're not even necessarily actually addressing everybody, which I find even more interesting. So what got you kind of started with doing it? I've my whole career, I think I've always tried to uh I, I think of myself as a lifelong learner and uh, I'm constantly trying to read and uh, um, learn new new things in life I don't have all the answers you know I think you know, it's a it's a you're, you're a fool if you think you know you got it all figured out you know so I, I like asking questions I like I like the debate and um, you know I, I just think it, it, it's it's healthy sometimes to um, kind of like poke and prod a little bit sometimes to, uh, 
to get people to to think more critically about about issues related to protecting people from getting hurt at work. So when you started doing this with in regards to your questions and kind of asking what you've been asking to drive people forward and giving them method and then poke and prod as you're saying, what were you, what were your learning experiences? What got you into the safety world? Why did you decide to go down this path? Well, you know, I remember, you know, uh, I was in, it was the ASSP conference. It was ASSC at the time. And I believe it was in Orlando, Florida, when I first heard Sidney Decker talk. He gave a keynote address. And that's, uh, I, I think at the time there, he was, uh, he was uh, promoting that, that uh, uh, Just Culture book. They, they just come out. And what year? This, this, what year are we roughly talking about? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, this ballpark doesn't this have to be exact. Four or five years ago, something okay. like that. Okay. At last ASSE conference in uh, uh, Orlando. But you know what? Sydney's ideas at the time they really challenged me. And then so I, I bought the book. I bought it that day at the conference, and it it almost it ignited me as a, as a safety and health professional to, to say, okay, I, I, I've had these views that I, I held before. Now here's somebody else who's come along and he's, and he's, he's challenging people to, to be more than what they are as far as, uh, you know, safety, safety is so much more than just rules and compliance. It's about relationships. It's about, uh, you know, caring for people. And, uh, there's, there's a lot of other things. And so, I read Sydney's book and then I reached out. I started just doing some more research and looking online for resources. I, I saw, I found Todd Conklin's book, uh, Reaction Investigations. I bought that and I read that book. And then I, on just out of the blue, I reached out to Todd on, uh, I found his email address somewhere. I don't know how I found it, but I, I reached out to him via email and said, Hey, Todd. Where can I learn some more? Is there workshops? Is there a seminar? What, where can I go to, to learn more about this this new perspective everybody's talking about? And Todd invited me to a uh, uh, to a seminar that he was given at a GE facility in Lexington, Kentucky, and I was at, I was his guest, and I was able to spend three days with Todd as he took this team through this journey of uh, you know this uh, this pre you know uh, uh, human performance journey, and so. That's oh, wow. Really, That's different. I mean, that has to be one of those things that you're, you're getting <laughs> was, to see something from a different perspective that you probably did not expect to see. Yeah, exactly. It was very intimate. I mean, I think there was probably 15 people in the room. And so it was at a very, uh, at a very pivotal point in my career, you know, getting to, you know, see Todd, interact with the people, you know, it was, it was, it, it was a seminal moment in my career. And so that's where I really tried to, you know, from that day on, I kind of learned as much as I could about, you know, these things that before I was previously unaware of. And so, you know, started reading Eric Hollenagle's books, reading books by David Woods, Jens Rasmussen, you know, but even stuff, uh, you know, Dan Ariely, we talked about, you know, his predictably irrational book was, was uh, a big influence on my thinking. And so, you know, where I'm from as a safety and health professional, I deal with people all, you know, every day, who have no clue what it is I'm talking about when you talk about safety differently, new view, human performance, you know? And so, uh, it's kind of been my, my personal challenge to myself is to, is to help every professional that I meet 
try to think more correctly about what it is that they're what it is that they're doing, while also keeping a critical eye towards okay, you know, uh, is you know trying not to. I guess you know you're trying to keep yourself honest. I guess in a way, and and also not getting married to these thought process, especially as you as we learn more and as we as our thought processes adapt and as we get you know, our thought processes are more mature and complex. You know, new information is going to it's going to challenge our thinking, and so with that post, it was just kind of like, uh, hey, you know, is what it is is this new perspective? You know, where is the where is the concrete evidence that it works? And even since that post, my thinking on that has changed because you know, you know, if you think about the intersection between safety performance and uh, operational performance. I think the two are intrinsically linked. And when you think of some of the people who are some of the thought leaders in the business space, you know, like John Maxwell, for example, you know, not everything John Maxwell espouses or talks about is, it is scientifically proven. You feel me? But it works because he has, you know, he, he may have anecdotal evidence, so he's got, you know, 40 years and, you know, and so I guess my challenge was both to myself to, to, to think critically about what I'm doing, but also to people who believe, as I am inclined to believe that this new approach works to, hey, let's share stories. Let's, let's help bring trust and credibility to this, I guess, movement. I don't know what you want to call it, uh, but let's, let's help other people see how this can benefit them. This is The Jay Allen Show. Have you learned about a human and organizational performance and you wanted more? Well, now is your chance. Fisher Improvement Technologies is conducting an advanced HOP practitioner workshop. Now is your opportunity to learn these advanced hop techniques in this two-day workshop that is designed to give leaders the ability to understand and manage integrations of advanced error reduction in organizations, also known as error. Participants are provided with multiple experiential learning opportunities to ensure they can use the information in their day-to-day interactions. For more information, go to arrowhp.com. That is A-E-R-O-H-P. Dot com and click on the link that says open enrollment. And we're back with Michael Flackler from Caliber Safety. Hello. Well, I mean, the interesting part you have to take a look at, too, is that a lot of people reference this as the new view of safety. This thing's been around for from everything that I can fa- from that I can find is between 27 to about 30 years, depending on, you know, right. where, where you want to start off. So I don't know. I don't know if I look at it as a new view. I think I might say that it's kind of one of those concepts that it's interesting, but I look for a holistic approach. Um, I'll tell you, I've read some stuff out there where there isn't the science that's behind it. And I think that if you have to take some deeper dives, then that might not be able to actually be able to answer it in a thread of a post where you might have to have the longer discussions. But I'll tell you, with some of the threads that we're talking about, there's some people that like it, some people that disagree with it, some people that just seems like they have like total hatred towards it. And I, you know, and everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but I want to jump back before we get into the thread too much. So 
when you start off looking at all the safety differently stuff, you, okay, so you did the thing at the ASSE, ASSP, depending on, you know, the tiling at the time, you, you do the research, all of a sudden you get the infight from Todd, you're doing this from this intimate setting, you leave the conference or the workshop that they're having at GE, what's the culture shock for you then? How does that, what occurs mentally for you? You leave there. Is there a switch that goes off or does this make you start hungering for more information? How do what happens next? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, definitely it, it left me with a, with a hunger to learn, to learn some more, but, but I, I can remember as my time early on in my career as a city professional, you know, being one of these people that thought, Hey, you know, this logically makes sense. Uh, from a compliance standpoint, you have to do this. Why aren't these people doing what it is I'm asking them to do? And I, and I just remember early on being, being challenged because, you know, I had, I had come out of the, I'd worked for Kentucky OSHA for two and a half years. And I was very much one of those people who, who was very, you know, who thought that, Hey, if it makes sense logically and that this will protect you and this is a rule, you should do this. And, 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 you know, perhaps early on in my career discounted the importance of relationships. And I also look at, you know, just, it didn't make sense to me, you know, based on your performance, based on how safe a company is by how many people you injure and no other, no other area of business, you know, keep score that way. And so I just knew that there was a, there was a huge opportunity, uh, for the profession, but also, you know, for me personally to, to be able to make a, a larger contribution to the organizations that I partner with to, you know, provide them new information to get them thinking about things in a new way that hopefully will help them move the needle, you know, create higher levels of engagement, higher levels of buy-in. And at the end of the day, you know, better outcomes. So let's jump around a little bit, if you don't mind. So you're working for OSHA. You decide to go into the private sector. How do you like the adjustment of leaving OSHA to go into the private sector? And what drove you to want to get into the private sector, especially being at OSHA? Well, you know, for me, it was largely a financial decision. You know, Kentucky OSHA was a state plan state. Uh, and so our salary scale wasn't wasn't comparable to that at the federal level. So, I mean, initially it was a, uh, it was a, uh, it was a financial decision to, to make the jump. But then once I got into, once I got into management, there was a lot of things that, I, that I enjoyed about, you know, that was drawing me to safety and has allowed me to, you know, have some of the success that I have. And one of that was, you know, just being around people and being, you know, and I was, I started off in the construction. It was, it was, you know, being outside and being able to, to, to talk with people and, and to build relationships across the organization, but also solve challenges. And, you know, I saw firsthand how sometimes safety professionals limit their ability to influence people within their organization because their focus is so narrow and that, you know, it's compliance, uh, it's OSHA and it's, not taking the time to invest in those relationships and to, you know, to help people understand the challenges that they're facing. You know, and 
me as, and them as a professional understand the challenges that the worker faces and, uh, you know, don't come, don't come across with rules telling people what they can't do, but, but want to help people understand what they, what they can do to get work done, but also get work done safely. So how does it start for you? How did you all of a sudden get into to OSHA? Because I can find information about you, but I can't find what drove you to it. Was there yeah. something in the personal life? I mean, not a lot of people start yeah. off there. So you know that I'm intrigued. Yeah, well, I, you know, I love sharing the story because it's, you know, and I love hearing uh, what I love hearing how different people come to find themselves in safety. You know, so I grew up in a small town. Uh, right outside of Louisville, Kentucky. It was called Shepherdsville, Kentucky. And I graduated high school in 1997. Now, neither one of my parents uh, graduated. Uh, my dad never graduated high school, and neither one of my parents went to college. So they were we were working-class folks uh, from small-town America. Uh, I was an average student in high school. You know, I didn't set the world on fire. And when I decided I wanted to go to college, I applied to one school. And I never visited that school before that. So the very first day I arrived on campus was the very first day I had, I had set foot on that campus. And it was the Eastern Kentucky universities where I went to school at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did the typical, initially I wanted to be a, a police officer and EKU has a, has a big police administration program. So I, I took a couple of police administration courses, figured out that wasn't for me. I was drawn to politics. So I took, started taking political science courses, but you know, I was a young, impressionable, 18, 19-year-old kid, and after two years, EKU said, uh, thanks, but no thanks. You know, they put me on academic probation, and I just I just never went back. And I, uh, I came home, uh, talked to my parents, talked to my father, and that's when I got a job in construction, working construction as a career. And I did that for a better part of three years. And... Early on, when I was, I, I was, I remember I was at a, I was at a McAlpin Lock and Dam project in New Albany, it's on the Ohio River, in Louisville. Actually, in, it's important in Louisville, and uh, we were working like you know, fifteen, sixteen-hour days. And I remember telling myself that this was not the plan I had for myself, and I decided then to go back to school. And I was working full time and going to school full time. And I went back to University of Louisville and got my bachelor's degree. And the quickest route to graduation, since I had a bunch of political science classes from EKU, was just to go ahead and finish out that political science degree without knowing, without knowing what I was going to do. And uh, I graduated, and then I just started applying for jobs. And one of the jobs that I applied for was Kentucky OSHA. And they liked the fact that I had a lot of construction experience. Well, not a lot. I mean, I had three years, but, but they didn't have anybody in their office with a construction focus or any kind of construction background. And so they like, we can teach you the safety, but you know, construction. And that's what kind of kicked it off. And so my introduction to safety was my first job with Kentucky OSHA. And, so, uh, so the interesting part there is that they're teaching you safety. You have construction. And of course, a political science degree has to play a factor into the whole thing too, I would imagine. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I don't know how much the political science degree, I think, you know, you have to have a, I think if you have a political science degree, you, you know, you, you probably are maybe communicate better, uh, um, with, with people or I don't know. Uh, well, you, you sold somebody, but, right? You know, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it, but it, it wasn't a technical degree. It was more, you know, it was a social science degree, but uh, it was the degree, degree nonetheless. But I think that ability to communicate, uh, you know, whether it's through through email or through a letter or even face-to-face, those skills you develop, you know, in those political science classes and those debate classes are definitely help. Uh, but, you know, it was a, I'd worked for three years in construction and I had, had I had little to no clue what the OSHA rules were. I mean, sure, I've been through, I went through orientations when you go on these big job sites, but nothing really stuck. You know, I didn't know what any of the rules were. Uh, so there was a steep learning curve, but, you know, I've always been a, a quick learner. And, uh, you know, I worked at the cabinet for better part of, of three years. And, and during that three years' time, I went back to school at Eastern Kentucky and got my master's degree in uh, safety, security, and emergency management. And then once I left uh, the labor cabinet and got into private industry, it was uh, the kind of things that just taken off from there. This is The Jay Allen Show. Hi, I'm Luke. And I'm Brennan. We, we are, are the Farm, farm finders. finders. When we first got married, we dreamed of owning land and building a self-sufficient lifestyle. But we soon saw that buying land was almost out of reach. Land was expensive and hard to finance. But we couldn't just give up on our dream of being landowners. To be honest, it was a pretty discouraging problem but we were determined to find a solution. So we started a company called The Farm Finders to find properties that anyone could afford. That was a few years back. And today we're proud to say we've helped hundreds of people make their landowning dreams a reality. There's something inside each of us that wants a piece of land to call our own. Here at The Farm Finders, we can make that happen. If you're like us and dream of owning land, then check out our website at thefarmfinders.com to find that perfect property. Take advantage of our no credit check, zero interest owner financing with payments as low as $50 a month with our secure online checkout. It's easy to make any property yours with just a few clicks. So don't just dream, do something. Visit thefarmfinders.com today. Let's Let's make make you a landowner. The more you listen, the more we get into your head. Safety FM. And we're back with Michael Flackler from Caliber Safety. So let me ask a question. As you go back to Eastern Kentucky University and you had been on um, academic probation previously, how did that interaction go when you get back? (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, I mean, uh, personally, it's rewarding. I mean, because that was, you know, flunking out of school for, you know, for lack of a better term. Hey, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to word it like that. I wasn't going to word it like that. You did. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so that wasn't the plan. So, I mean, to me, it was personally rewarding. Uh, you know, and I was a much better student, you know, I, I think I graduated high school with like a, with a 2.2 GPA. And then when I, when I finished my master's degree, I got like a three, eight, uh, you know, I finished my bachelor's with like, with a three, five, you know, so I was, I was, I was, I had my head on straight. You know, I'd, I'd been, you know, kicked around a little bit by life, but you know, I, I knew that, you know, education, educating myself, you know, was, was the key to opportunity. And I think I've carried that on through my whole life. I, I've, I've never stopped learning. I've, I've never stopped trying to, to find new perspectives and new ways that I can, you know, help companies, help people better understand how to protect people. Well, I mean, and then it looks like you continued your education because you'd then decide to get a second master's degree. Correct. Yeah, and that was, you know, that that came from the frustration that I had working. Uh, well, not a frustration, but I mean, I think in my mind that uh, I'm I'm independent by nature, and I've always wanted to kind of uh, start my own business or or be the captain of my own ship, is what I tell people. And so, when the opportunity arose for me uh, 
when I wasn't traveling as much, when I started working at Eastern Alliance, uh, I was, I was home every night. I could commit to an MBA. I jumped at the chance to, to get an MBA knowing that, you know, I wanted to, you know, kind of bolster my business bona fides. You know, I wanted to, 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 to have a better understanding of how organizations worked on the operational side, on the business side, you know, for one, for my own benefit, when I start my own business, but also when you're sitting across the table from a CEO or from a CFO or a division president, you can begin to talk about themes and you can talk about issues related to the business that are maybe outside of the traditional safety scope. Because again, I'm a firm believer that if you, you know, if you improve safety, that you will, you will, you will achieve ancillary benefits outside of safety as far as productivity, employee engagement, uh, uh, efficiency, you name it. Well, let's talk about that for a moment because you go, you go out there and you get your MBA so now you're able to, we'll say, quote unquote, speak the lingo with the CFOs, the CEOs, not that you couldn't do it before, but you can do it a little bit better, let's say, quote unquote. But then all of a sudden, about a year later, you decide to take the leap of faith. And I'm going to say the leap of faith here. And you decide <laughs> to do, you decide to found a company called Caliber Safety. So what's yeah. the, what was the inspiration yeah. in? How long, do, how long were you planning that in the background before you decided to do it? Uh, you know, I mean, I think it's, you know, probably for a better part of a couple of years, you know, I guess about halfway through my MBA, uh, and looking at, you know, our, our capstone project was to develop a business case or develop a business plan. And so I was like, well, you know, this has always been a dream of mine. I'm gonna go ahead and do it. Uh, you know, and in my mind, you know, in my experience, you know, I have, I have seen companies who have been underserved by consultants who, you know, have a narrow focus on, on compliance. I mean, again, sure. Compliance is important, you know, but, you know, walking job sites, uh, uh, doing OSHA training and, uh, rewriting programs in my mind amounts to telling companies how they're screwing up and what they can't do versus really trying to understand what is going on in that business and helping that person see what they can do to improve safety and operations. And if, you know, so caliber safety is founded on this, in my mind, it's nothing, uh, this isn't groundbreaking. I'm not reinventing the wheel here, but you know, on our website, you know, we believe that if you look at the, the safety outcomes are determined by an organization's structure processes and their, and their culture, you know, what people see, say, and experience in the workplace. And you have to take and you have to consider all three of those if you ever want to have a shot at achieving sustainable performance improvement. And, you know, if I can help a company identify risk better, if I can help them, you know, set goals and objectives, if I can help them plan and execute on the safety side, then those skills that they develop have broad utility across the organization. And so, uh, you know, that's why we're founded. That's why we were founded. And that's what we believe. And that's, that's the message that we're trying to take, you know, whenever we meet new clients or whenever we meet people, you know, on LinkedIn, that's, that's, that's what we're leading with. That's what we believe. And, um, uh, we think that message, uh, it's going to resonates more than, than just, you know, so solely focused on OSHA compliance. 
Now, do you see a particular industry where a lot of your clients are coming from, or is it kind of a, a, a wide scope? You know, it's, it's all over, you know, so, you know, we've, uh, I've worked historically, I've worked, you know, I've personal experience in construction. I've worked, you know, I've managed construction. Uh, but, you know, we also work with general industry clients, transportation clients, uh, clients in the nonprofit and the healthcare space. Uh, but, you know, what we, it's funny because we, a couple of years ago, I went to a safety two and I think it was called safety two in practice conference. It was put on by, uh, the name escapes me, uh, Tom, uh, I'll think of it in a minute, but David Provan was there. Ron Gant was there, Jeff Lith. And those, those four guys, uh, I'm on a kind of a working group with now, but it was a, it was a conference in, uh, Fort Lauderdale. I'm not St. Petersburg. Sorry. You, you love, you person. love Florida. You're, you're constantly here. It sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, but you know, I was the only insurance guy in that room. And I was the only person there with a specific focus on bringing these, uh, you know, n- new view ideas. I, I, I hate that term new view, but, you know, bringing these new ideas to companies that, you know, they're not oil and gas, they're not hospitals, they're not nuclear power generation facilities. These are, you know, a manufacturing facility with 400 employees in the middle of nowhere. You know, these are construction companies with, with 200 employees who self-perform you know, concrete, you know, and that's been, that's been my kind of my challenge and my focus is how can I bring some of these, you know, ideas that uh, are, you know, to companies that are struggling with resources that are struggling with, you know, you know, every business struggles with time, money and resources, but especially those those small to medium sized businesses, you know, how can we bring that message to them? Because that's who need it the most. If you look at, you know, fatalities, Fatalities occur on a higher rate with those small to medium sized employers, and that's kind of you know we're, we're trying to to focus our efforts toward that market. So currently, are you doing work outside of Kentucky as well, or, or are you just right now just in Kentucky? Well, right now we're we're still very young, so we're you know most of our stuff is centered here inside the state of Kentucky. But you know, I had a, I had a meeting with a customer the other day. I was like, you know, we can go anywhere. Uh, you know, I've, I've worked with captive programs and, uh, uh, on large accounts where, you know, fly out on Monday, fly back in on Friday, you know, Phoenix, Florida, California, you name it. Uh, but you know, Hey, we're, a, we're, a, we're a startup and we're, uh, we're trying to shake the, shake the trees around our own backyard right now. So right now, let's say for instance, we have some potential customers that might be interested in getting some more information, where can they go? Well, they can go to, you know, calibersafety.com. Uh, they got a website. They can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, that's probably the two best ways. Now, Michael, I have a question for you real quick. Are you doing, are you planning on doing anything in the um, the Canadian space or maybe Mexico? Because I see a lot of things come out of there, out of those two areas. Are you, are you in those, those zones right now as we speak or now? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, uh, they got a different set of rules, and even though, you know, when I when I when I deal with clients, you know, I tell them it's like I operate like OSHA doesn't exist, you know. But uh, we have a passport, but that's not our focus right now. 
Perfect. Well, Michael, I really do appreciate you taking the time on being here. Thanks, Jay. Thank you for allowing this platform to enter into your life on a daily basis or on a weekly basis, depending on where you're listening to us. Of course, like always, we're available on safetyfm.com and on safetyfm.live. We're also available on your favorite podcatcher. Remember, The Jay Allen Show is not the only show on the network. We have so many different hosts that are available to you that we would love for you to take a listen. Come to safetyfm.com for further information. This brings another episode of The Jay Allen Show to an end. We'll be back before you know it. Goodbye for now. Want more of The Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. Wondering how you can show your love? Head over now to Facebook and drop a like. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Wow, how things can change from one week to the next. Hey, hope everybody out there is staying healthy. I know everything is super crazy. We feel disoriented by the COVID-19 virus. It's more important than ever to stay connected and check in with your loved ones. That's why I'm so happy I've got T-Mobile. Listen, T-Mobile isn't just talking the talk. They're taking measures right now to make life easier for everyone by doing the right thing for their customers during this really critical time. For example, T-Mobile has ensured all current customers with data plans have access to unlimited smartphone data on their network for two months. We're all in this together. T-Mobile truly believes that. And while many T-Mobile stores are temporarily closed to help keep customers and employees healthy, they've still got you covered with any help you need. Just check out T-Mobile.com. You can see what stores are still open and how you can manage your account online. Stay safe out there. During congestion, customers using more than 50 gigs a month may notice reduced speeds prioritization. Video typically at 480p, capable device required. Wow, how things can change from one week to the next. Hey, hope everybody out there is staying healthy. I know everything is super crazy. We feel disoriented by the COVID-19 virus. It's more important than ever to stay connected and check in with your loved ones. That's why I'm so happy I've got T-Mobile. Listen, T-Mobile isn't just talking the talk. They're taking measures right now to make life easier for everyone by doing the right thing for their customers during this really critical time. For example, T-Mobile has ensured all current customers with data plans have access to unlimited smartphone data on their network for two months. We're all in this together. T-Mobile truly believes that. And while many T-Mobile stores are temporarily closed to help keep customers and employees healthy, they've still got you covered with any help you need. Just check out T-Mobile.com. You can see what stores are still open and how you can manage your account online. Stay safe out there. During congestion, customers using more than 50 gigs a month may notice reduced speeds prioritization. Video typically at 480p, capable device required. So do you feel like you're missing out on what everyone is starting to do now, that live streaming thing, and you don't know where to start or what to do? I have the resource and the information to provide to you in regards on how you can stream onto 40 social media platforms 
all at one time. Yes, that's 44-0 social media platforms all at one time. All you'll need to do is go to safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's O-N-E. So just in case, and you'll be able to start live streaming just like you're hearing people starting to do right now up to 40 social media platforms.